I am really excited to have the kids in here with us as we start this brand new series, our first week in Advent here. We're going to do the best we can to make it a little fun for you. In a couple minutes, we have a skit for the kids based on uh, the movie Wreck-It Ralph. Have some of you guys seen that? There, there was one time I did this illustration on the Muppet movie when the new one had come out for the first time. Nobody had seen it. It was like, oh my word, absolute epic fail. But we are glad, even if you haven't seen this movie, Wreck-It Ralph, we're going to have some fun with the skit in just a few minutes. And I'm really excited. Brandon had mentioned we might have some animals on uh, our Christmas party. We're looking into not just some animals. Becca's been on the, the phone and emailing with uh, some people who've got the manger scene animals. We're trying to get a camel. We're trying to get donkeys, the whole bit. And she even has a lead on reindeer. So that would be fun to get some reindeer. So we're, we're doing the best we can, kids. We, we love you guys, and we really want to try to make this be a special place. And, and we love our teens, too. And one of the things that's just really important to us with our teens is that we try the best we can to challenge you and to encourage you to become the men and women that God's created you to be. So we're thrilled that you're here. I was uh, talking to a, a teen who happened to be my nephew a couple uh, weeks ago, and it was really a good conversation. He was talking about the election and how a number of his friends in his circles were really, really stressed when the election was going on. And one of the things that really impressed me about this young man is how self-aware he was because he was able to say that one of the things that made it so stressful is he was in what he called an echo chamber. And I love that imagery. He said, you know, what happens is we can surround ourselves with people who just believe the same things that we do. And especially with social media and the internet, we can go online and even surround ourselves with more people who believe the things we do. And sometimes that echo chamber can just amplify our own voice. Because isn't that what you hear when you hear an echo, right? You hear your own voice. And he said that it can end up getting so intense that things that are our fears can get amplified in a way that maybe they didn't have to. So it was just a really good conversation with him. And it got me thinking about today's message and what we're going to be focusing on. And, uh, and that led me to go online and do a little searching. And I found out that there's a word or a phrase, or two words anyway, but that Oxford Dictionary named as the 2016 word of the year. Maybe some of you have heard the term post-truth. Post-truth. You will put up the definition on the screen. This is the world that we live in now where things can really get amplified. We can get in these echo chambers. Post-truth. Truth is relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion or personal belief. In other words, the facts don't matter much anymore. Facts don't, truth doesn't matter much anymore because what matters most to a lot of people is what do I feel and what do those around me say? That can be a really scary place for a culture to be. When truth doesn't matter as much anymore, as much as what you feel and the emotions and whether or not people can invoke something inside of you. We live in a post-truth world. And one of the things that's scary about that is you can fact-check your way into fiction now, can't you? Because if your sources aren't accurate, you go to fact-check something and it can actually lead you further away from the truth. Let me just give you a quick example of this. I was working, um, one of the days I was working on the message was Wednesday. And on Wednesday, I just tried this little experiment. I said, let me just hop online and see what the headline of the day is and see how it compares across multiple news platforms. 
So you can fact check me on this. Go ahead and look at what was happening about 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. Here were the headlines from different news sources. A lot of them were commenting on this incident that happened here where President-elect Trump was meeting with this individual. And on Fox News, this is the headline, Trump fills out his cabinet. And on NPR, the headline was, Trump chooses Betsy DeVos for education secretary. CNN had a take on this. Their take was, Trump selects GOP donor to head education department. Washington Post had this take on this same event. Trump picks billionaire Betsy DeVos, school voucher advocate. And then Slate.com just came out and said, how can, or how Trump could gut public education. Now, can you see how if you had one of those news sources and that was the only source that you looked at, how you could have very different conclusions of what that picture was about? You with me so far? Now, one of the things you could do if you had unlimited time was to look at everyone's opinion on everything and then try to sort out the truth from there. Does anyone have that kind of time? This is one of the reasons why it's so important, not only to to make sure you have your eyes open to multiple viewpoints, but also to have trusted sources, to have sources that that, that, that prove themselves trustworthy over time. And I'd encourage you, if you'd be so kind, as to take out this blue sheet here today, and we have a place to write down some notes. And I'd encourage you to write this down. Here's a a question that we're going to pose to ourselves here today. In a post-truth culture, where can we find consistent, God-honoring counsel? In a post-truth world where people are going to come at your emotions, where they're going to amplify things that you may already believe, how do you find consistent God-honoring counsel? Many of you have probably heard that saying, even a broken clock can be right twice a day. Well, how can you get up the odds so that it isn't just twice a day, but you can find some sources that have more consistent God-honoring wisdom? Well, again, we thought it'd be fun to introduce us with a skit today. So I was imagining what it would be like if you went to a really bad counselor for advice. And so I thought, there's this character, Wreck-It Ralph. If that doesn't say disaster waiting to happen, Wreck-It Ralph. So we imagined a skit where Wreck-It Ralph was giving advice. And that's what we've got for you today. And we have it in the format that we call spontaneous melodrama. Some of you have been in those before. A true spontaneous melodrama, we just read the script and people who have never heard the script before act it out. Well, these guys have had some practice. They even had, they got the script this morning. And so (laughs) they even had a whole service where they got to do a run through. So these are trained professionals, but I'll still do it spontaneous melodrama style. I'm going to read the script and uh, and they're going to act it out. The name of this uh, skit is called Wrecked. Here we go. It was the year 2020, and a new high-tech exchange student program was sweeping the nation. Characters from the digital world could now attend school in the real world. Two of the first characters to sign up as digital exchange students were Vanellope and Taffeta from the movie Wreck-It Ralph And I believe they're in the house now. There we go. Well, Taffeta and Vanellope had been attending a Christian middle school. And Taffeta said to Vanellope, I'm nervous nervous. about the transition. From middle school school 
to high school. Vanellope replied, me too. I've been glitching all week. Taffeta asked, do you know where we can get some good real world advice? Vanellope answered, Ralph and Felix, Ralph and Felix. our exchange students at Moundsview. Mounds Let's, Let's ask them. And since it was the year 2020, they had smartphone implants in their fingertips. They could literally Snapchat or snap a Snapchat to wreck it, Ralph, and fix it, Felix. And here they come right now. We've got an awesome costume department, let me tell you that. Here we go. <laughs> when, when the two boys arrived, Ralph spoke first, saying, We got your snap. We got your snap. Taffeta said, We've got some questions about high school. We've got some questions about high school. And we're hoping that you can help. And we're hoping that you can help. Fix it, Felix replied, Gosh golly. Gosh golly. We'd be happy to oblige. We'd be honored to oblige. Vanellope said, I've got a question about driver's ed. I have a question about driver's ed. Why do I need to take a driving class? Why do I need to take a driving class? When I've been racing my candy cart for years. When I've been racing my candy cart for years. Taffeta put her arm around Vanellope and said, sorry about wrecking Lickety Split. Sorry about wrecking Lickety Split. No worries, said Vanellope. No worries. All in the past. It's all in the past. Ralph nudged himself between the two friends. He put his arms around them both and said, I'm glad you came to me. I'm glad you came to me. For advice. For advice. The girls did their best to pretend like Ralph's armpits didn't smell as bad as they did. They just kind of smiled and nodded and fought back their gag reflexes. Ralph continued, you don't need driver's ed class. You don't need driver's ed class. Just Google. Just Google. Mario Kart tutorial. Mario Kart tutorial. And you'll learn everything. And you'll learn everything. There is to know. There is to know. About driving. About driving. Felix jumped in. Well, higgly piggly, Ralph. Well, higgly piggly, Ralph. Do you remember? Do you remember? What you did. What you did. To your first real world, world car. To your first real world car. Ralph looked at the ground and said, I wrecked it. Well, I wrecked it. Felix turned to Vanellope and said, In the real world, In the real world, They have this thing called physics. They have this thing called physics. It's important for all of us. It's important for all of us. To learn how to drive. To learn how to drive. In the real world. In the real world. Taffeta had a question too, and it was about boys. She said, Now that we're getting older. So now that we're getting older. What should I do? If I get asked on a date. And her dad said, say no. <laughs> say no. But before, before Felix could speak, who she asked, Ralph had an answer. And Ralph said, if our Disney creators taught us anything, if our Disney creators taught us they taught us to always follow our hearts. They taught us to always follow our hearts. Felix took off his hat and whapped Ralph with it. Cheapers, Ralph, said Felix. That sounds like turbo talking. In the real world, our hearts don't always lead to happy endings. 
What usually happens, what usually happens when, people follow their hearts when people follow their hearts and forget to use their brains, their brains. Ralph finished his sentence by saying, we wreck it. We wreck it. <laughs> Vanellope had another question, pretty serious one. Felix. Felix. What should I do? What should I do? If I get a teacher. If I get a teacher. Who doesn't believe in God. Who doesn't believe in God. Ralph butted in and said, that's easy, Vanellope. That's easy, Vanellope. Just watch God's Not Dead 1 and 2. Just watch God's Not Dead 1 and, and 2. Quote two. lines. <laughs> quote lines from the movie. Quote lines from the movie. What works in the movies. What works in the movies. Always works in real life. Every time always works in real life. <laughs> Felix had had enough. He pulled out his trusty fix-it hammer and he struck Ralph a bunch of times with it and Ralph had a revelation as he looked up to the heavens. And having his mind fixed, Ralph turned to Vanellope and Taffeta and said, you're asking some really important questions. You're asking some really important questions. I'm sorry I haven't been the best counselor. I'm sorry I haven't been the best counselor. Vanellope answered, no worries, Ralph. No worries, Ralph. Just then, Taffeta looked at her watch and said, Vanellope, we gotta go. One second. <laughs> Vanellope, we gotta go. Play practice for our new musical starts in five minutes. Play practice for our new musical starts in five minutes. Felix said, superty duper. Superty duper. What's the name of your school musical? What's the name of your school musical? Vanellope answered, it's a Christian take on the Nemo franchise. On the Nemo franchise. It's called Seeking Dory. It's called Seeking Dory. Finding Jesus. <laughs> and as they all walked off to play practice, Vanellope and Tafta sang the grand finale. Somewhere beyond the sea, Jesus is waiting for me. My spirit soars from ocean floors. And into his arms we'll go sailing. And as the cast sang their way off stage, the audience showed him some love. They do a good job. They do a good job. All right. Kids, 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 kids. In the real world, is it a good idea to drive like they drive in Mario Karts? Yes. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. We had the same response in the first hour. I am so concerned for this next generation of drivers who think that the way to get faster where you're going is just knock cars out of your way. Um, real world, that's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Let's try this one. And I'm going to ask the parents on this one. Parents, is it always a good idea to follow your hearts? Dads, is it a good idea to follow your hearts with the girl? No, it's not always a good idea to follow your hearts. And everyone, do things always work out the same way in real life that they do in movies? No, no. It is so important that we pick our counselors wisely because we can get all kinds of advice. There's tons of advice floating out there that is not helpful and won't get you where to go. And over the years, I don't just say this because I'm a pastor. I say it because it's been my truth, and I hope it's yours as well. The Bible's been my go-to for wisdom. And in this series, this new series that starts today, we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah. I'm really excited to dig into the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles with you, why don't you pull them out? Um, 
And if you don't have a Bible, I want to let you know that we've got a free Bible here for you today. Over by the mailbox, we have a stack of Bibles, and we'd love for you to take one of those. We also have some other Bibles and resources over here on these little tables. Please don't take those. I'll explain what those are for in a little bit. But if you don't have a Bible, over by that mailbox, there's some free Bibles for you to take home today. And we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah. It's an ancient document that, uh, that is included in the Christian Bible, and I'm excited to dig into it. Now, as we're looking this up here, turning to Isaiah, I want to tell you a true story um, that ties in with this whole post-truth piece, and it connects uh, the Bible with that. I remember when I uh, was just out of college, and I had my first full-time job at a, uh, a little church in New Ulm, Minnesota, and I was sitting there in the congregation, and, uh, and my pastor at the time, he, he got up and he, and he said, I'm going to be reading now from 3rd Isaiah. I'm thinking, I had 3rd Isaiah. I never heard of 3rd Isaiah before. And I'm like, I wonder if this is a test. Because not long before that, I had just tested my teenagers. I used to test them all the time. And one of the tests that I had done is I took a sheet of paper and I had two columns. And in one of the columns on that test, I had all of these verses and on the other column on that test, I had all of these references where, where I said you could find these verses. But what I didn't tell them is I had pulled all the verses literally word for word out of the Satanic Bible. And what I didn't tell them is I had made up all the books of the Bible that were on the other column. So I had books like Hezekiah on there. I had 3 Corinthians. I had Matthew chapter 30. Matthew doesn't go up to 30, just in case you're wondering. So I just said, here you guys go. I want you to match up the Bible verses with the references. And they're all just matching them up. Nobody called me out. Not a single one of my teenagers. So I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if this is a test like that. But before I could get my hand up, I realized he's serious. He's serious about this third Isaiah thing. So we didn't have the internet back in the day, so I had to do my homework and to find out where is he getting this third Isaiah thing. I, best, I guess I could have asked him, but I didn't. Um, but I, I looked this up, and, and there is, uh, it's a thing. You know, it's, it's a thing. Third Isaiah is something that they teach in a number of seminaries, that there wasn't just one author over the course of one lifetime that wrote Isaiah, but that there were multiple authors over multiple generations that wrote different sections of Isaiah. Now, I don't have issue with him saying, here's a theory about the construction of Isaiah. I don't have an issue about that. But I have a big issue with a pastor getting up and presenting, as he did, as fact that there were three Isaiahs. Especially when Jesus himself didn't seem to ascribe to that theory. I'd point you to John chapter 12 and take a look at there, where Jesus does not seem to ascribe to the three Isaiahs. Isaiah, or trips Isaiah, as I call it, theory of, 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 um, of construction of Isaiah. There's some huge holes in that theory. Now, one of the things that I love about the scriptures is that they invite investigation. They almost beg themselves to be tested. And we see this in the book of Isaiah itself. Take a look at first Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. This is how Isaiah opens up his word. He says this, He goes, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now, we don't know much about Isaiah himself. He wasn't into selfies. He didn't spend a whole lot of time talking to himself. But what he did do is he provided real context for this book. He said, here's my name. He said, here's my daddy's name. 
He's saying, here's when I lived and here's where I lived. And you can go ahead and fact check me on these things. And while you're checking my facts, I hope you catch this vision that God has given me. That's what he writes about. He has a vision from God. Isaiah was one of the prophets of God. And centuries before the birth of Christ, Isaiah and other prophets of old were given words and they were given visions about the birth of a Messiah that was to come. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series that's coming up is I've quoted these words before. Almost every Advent, we've quoted from Isaiah before. He's got some of the most iconic words ever written in humankind. And you're going to hear some of these in in just a few minutes. And for those sitting close, you can see all these tabs that I've been doing this week in just Isaiah, the opening chapters. There's so much here that I'm so excited to get into over the course of this series as we dig into one of these prophecies that Isaiah had concerning the future, specifically to the Messiah that was to come. So let's work our way there. We're going to focus most of our time in chapter 9, but let's work our way there really quickly. Very early in his book, Isaiah offers this invitation. This is found in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5, where Isaiah writes, O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. And today's takeaway is this invitation. There's a place to write something very similar to this in your notes. I encourage you to write this down. Here is the invitation that is going to be today's takeaway. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Of the Lord. One of the reasons that Isaiah extended this invitation is because people in his day were seeking counsel from sources that were not helpful. They were turning to one another, and at that time in that place, that was not helpful. They were uh, turning their attention to ungodly rulers. They were listening to false prophets. They were turning to false gods. They were even consulting mediums and necromancers. That's not just something that shows up in today's video games and movies. That was something that goes way, way back. Isaiah, in that time, in that place, he wrote this in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. The Lord spoke thus to me and warned me, Don't walk in the way of this people. Don't just imitate. Don't get caught in the echo chamber. Don't just imitate what's going on around you. He said, should not a people inquire of their God? In a world with so many competing and misleading voices, what if we followed Isaiah's lead? He continues on, verse 17. He writes this. He says, I will wait for the Lord. I will find hope in him. There's so much good stuff here in chapter 8. I wish we had time to go through the whole chapter together. I want to encourage you to read it at home because chapter 8 sets up chapter 9 where we're going to spend most of our time today. Chapter 8 sets it up. And if this were a movie, I'd set up chapter 9 with one of those shots, those classic shots like Lord of the Rings where you got the map. So we put the map of the Middle East and we'd show darkness coming in because that's how Isaiah sets up chapter 9. Darkness coming in and spreading over the whole land. You know, I've I've heard so many people talking, rightfully so, that they have concerns about the direction our country's going. The darkness that, that we may be experiencing is nothing compared to what Isaiah was going through. You know, this wasn't, his wasn't simply a red state, blue state world. His was a world in which the nation was literally at war with itself. 
They had divided by this point into two kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom called Israel. There was a southern kingdom called Judah. They were at war with one another. And they weren't only at war with one another. In our society, we're concerned, rightfully so, about terrorist cells. In their time, in their place, it wasn't just terrorist cells. There was this mighty emerging nation of Assyria that was marching on these nations. There was this army that was coming that was mightier than them. And say what you will about Trump or Obama or Bush or Clinton, you would take them on their worst days compared to some of the kings, most of the kings of Israel and Judah. Darkness was spreading across the promised land and would soon consume it all for 400 years. And it was in that context that Isaiah saw this vision. Now we come to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 2. Maybe these words are going to sound familiar. The people who walked in darkness have seen what? A great light. How many have heard these words before? Around Christmas time, this prophecy comes out. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. And this is one of the reasons why people say there was more than one Isaiah, because Isaiah appears to be looking back on history that hasn't yet come. To which I reply, if he's a prophet, isn't that what they do? Isaiah spoke of an heir that was to come. To King David's throne, he was a savior, a Messiah who would bring light. He would bring hope. Let's jump ahead to verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. And what we're going to do over the next four weeks is take each of these four titles and we're going to dive into each one of these, starting today with the title, Wonderful Counselor. You may have been noticing that that headline that we started with, a lot of people have been paying attention, rightfully so, to who the advisors are going to be for our next president. And why are people concerned? Because advisors matter. Those we choose to listen to, that really matters. In fact, this week I was thinking about this. Your advisors that you choose, that may be the most important decision you make. Now, I could be wrong in this because I haven't given this a ton of thought, but I thought about all the huge decisions we make in life. Choosing the right advisor might be the right one because doesn't that affect all the other decisions? The advisors you choose may play into Decisions about getting married, about career, about college, about so many things. This really matters. The advisors that you choose really, really matters. The counselors that you choose really, really matters. Isaiah writes this, chapter 9, a little bit further on, starting with verse 13. The people did not inquire of the Lord for counsel, the Lord of hosts. Those who guide this people, writes Isaiah, have been leading them astray instead of God's guidance and aligning themselves with his plans and his purposes, the people of that day were listening to other voices that were leading them further into the darkness. Boy, and Jesus echoes these things. 
He warned about the dangers of listening to false prophets and following people that he referred to as blind guides. And then disciples of Jesus, such as Paul, warned us about the dangers of worldly philosophy, about surrounding ourselves with teachers who tell us what we want to hear. Paul even instructed churches, he said, distance yourself from divisive people. And we're invited by Isaiah. We're invited by Jesus. We're invited of all the authors of the books of the Bible to put our trust in God, to put our trust in his Messiah. And here's why. Let's jump ahead now to Isaiah 11, verse 1. Because here's some of the characteristics of that Messiah. Another prophecy, Isaiah 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Again, this is loaded. I encourage you to study this passage on your own. I could just have time to give you this teaser. If you're not familiar with Jesus' ancestry, Jesse was the father of King David, who was a descendant, or Jesus was a descendant of King David. Jesse was his father, King David's father. And it had been a long, long time since the children of Israel had a king like King David. King David was a good shepherd. He wasn't perfect, but he was a man who sought after God with all his heart. And the nation was blessed as a result of that. Well, this verse says there's going to come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And this is really powerful if you read all of Isaiah, because in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah just paints this really dismal, accurate picture of what was happening. He said the nation is down to a tenth of what it was, and that tenth is being burned. But there's a stump from a felled tree that still remains. That's chapter 6. Isn't that cool? And then he picks up this theme again in 11. From that stump of this wasteland, from that stump of Jesse, there's going to come a a sprout. And look what he says about the descendant of of Jesse, of King David, that's going to come forth from that line. The spirit of the Lord's going to rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Again, this is so loaded and it ties into these kings. Because Israel had a whole lot of bad kings. A whole lot of bad kings. The two greatest kings they had were King David and David's son Solomon. And this language that we just read here, this invokes the image of the greatest kings. Because David had been empowered by the spirit. He was a mighty king, and he feared the Lord. Solomon, his son, asked for wisdom and was granted more wisdom and knowledge and understanding than any man had ever known. And the Messiah that was to come was going to be better than the best of both of the best kings because he was going to have all of that and more. And it should come as no surprise that God said these words about his son, our Savior, as recorded in Luke chapter 9, verse 35. There came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And as we turn this corner and begin to bring this message to a close, let's spend some time thinking about that. What does it mean to listen to him? of all the voices out there, of all the counsel we could seek, what does it mean to listen to this one, the Messiah, the Son of God? And in your notes, if you're playing fill-in-the-blanks and you're regular, you probably got all three of these because there's going to come in no surprise what you're about to hear. Let's talk about wonderful counselors that all are rooted in Christ. The first is this, 
the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. I'm rereading the writings of John in preparation for snow camp, and so that I don't forget, Kurt, Kurt, can we talk about snow camp afterwards? Snow camp? Okay, got it. I'm rereading um, some books of John, because we're going to use these as our foundation for the middle school um, snow camp. And John talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, and, and he refers to the Holy Spirit as a spirit of truth. And then he uses a word that we don't even know how to translate fully into English that, that means helper and advocate and counselor and all of those things. And while the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, here's why I wrote the Spirit of Christ. Because the guidance and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit is so aligned with the mission and mind of Christ that the Apostle Paul sometimes uses Holy Spirit and Spirit of Christ interchangeably in his letters. Because the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Christ accomplish the same things. And kids, let me tell you something else Jesus said. Let me tell you what he said about the Holy Spirit. I got a little gift bag here. Jesus loved to give illustrations. And one of the illustrations he gave about the Holy Spirit, he said this. He said, imagine that you're sitting down to a family meal, right? You're going to have dinner together. And imagine dad turns to his daughter and says, what would you like for your protein today? And daughter says, fish. Dad, I want fish. Jesus said, what kind of good dad, instead of giving her a fish, is going to give her a snake? Kids are so unimpressed with my... Ta-da! Whatever, pastor. <laughs> Sometimes the epic fails. You know, you try and you... Wait, 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 here's my point. Right? Jesus says, Jesus says to those who were listening and were amazed by his words, he was Jesus, I guess that's how it works. They, he said, a good father's not going to do that. If daughter asks for a fish, he's not going to give her a snake. And especially he's not going to do this while daughter's fighting off the snake with her fork. He's not going to then turn to the son and said, son, how about you? What do you want for protein? Son's going to say, I don't want fish. Son's going to say, I'll think of something else. How about egg? I'm going with an egg. Ready for the reveal? <laughs> no. Maybe it's the busy bags are so good. Or so, I don't know. So he's going to say, instead of the egg, how about a scorpion? Ooh, fear the dreaded scorpion. All right, forget it. He's not going to do that, right? He's not going to, if he's a good dad, he's not going to say here instead of the egg, here's this deadly scorpion. And then Jesus delivers the punchline. These are the words of Jesus. Here they are as recorded in Luke about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this. He said, how much more will the heavenly father give whom? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. If you want wisdom, if you want guidance, take Jesus up on his offer. Ask the Holy Spirit to be given to you. And if you've never done that, invite you to do it. If you'd like some of us to come around you and and, and pray that with you, we'd love to do that as well. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Number two, no surprises here either. Wonderful counselor, the Spirit of Christ and the Word of God. The word of God, and I mentioned earlier, we've got some resources here inside your notes in your bulletin taco today. We've got tons of inserts there. The green sheet has got a whole bunch of great Bible um, resources for all ages, and we have most of those right there on the table. I'd encourage you to take a look at that. Get into the word. Get the word in people's hands at the earliest possible age because the word, the word is a source of unparalleled guidance. Jesus was the word made flesh. 
If you want to understand Jesus, know his word. And then number three, also in the category of wonderful counselors, authentic disciples of Jesus. Men and women who are sincerely following after Jesus, who are becoming more like him, who believe that he was the way, the truth, and the life and are aligning their lives with him. I've been so blessed in this area. In fact, I was just thinking about this. Um, I was reflecting on mentors in my own life here, and I was thinking how just in the last couple weeks, two weeks ago, I met with a mentor of mine for uh, some big issues, and it was so helpful to, to have his wisdom. And I called a different men- mentor on Monday. And then on Thursday and Thanksgiving, I sent a note to a guy who's been a mentor in my life since I was a teenager. It is so good. I can't even begin to think where I'd be without those Men who've spoken into my life, we would love to help you find mentors and friends who can help you as you see it, set out to follow Jesus. Well, at this time, I want to have the worship band come forward, and we're going to close with a, a great song. It might be new to a lot of you, and if it is, feel free to sing along or just soak in the words because it speaks to this Messiah who is to come, who is a wonderful counselor. You'll hear those words in there and so much more. So I want to encourage you to soak in the wonder of of. of who Jesus was. So let me pray as we transition. Father, we are so thankful that you came to us and that you've showed us the way. And more than that, that you are the way and you are the truth and that you are the life. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your teachings and your examples. And we thank you that you encourage us to find other godly men, godly women, to cheer us on and encourage us on this journey so that we aren't left to be stuck in some echo chamber, just bouncing ideas off of walls that that are just ideas that sound good, but rather we thank you that you've chosen to, to, to call us to seek truth. And we pray that this would be a season where we do just that. In Jesus' name, amen.